This podcast is brought to you in part by Surewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Your business depends upon having the best technicians. Ensure their shoulder health with Surewinder tools. See us at surewinder.com. Hey there, everybody. My name is Hannah. Welcome to another episode of Torsion Talk, the podcast where we talk about the garage door industry and how you can grow your garage door business. Hey guys, welcome back to Torsion Talk. This is your host, Ryan. And today we have someone very special actually in studio, which is extremely rare. This will be our first in-person interview, but uh, he happened to be in town making a purchase of a new truck uh, only about 30 minutes from us. So we were able to coordinate an interview. Jim McGrath, how are you, sir? Ryan, it's great to be here with you today and I'm having a great time. I'm not only in town for... Uh, purchasing a truck, but I also got to go pick up family at the airport this afternoon. Nice. So we're covering a lot of ground here today and uh, just had to take this opportunity to come in and uh, I'm honored to be one of your first people on Torsion Talk. And I hope we can do leaps and bounds for our industry with uh, this type of podcast. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you came in, bought a truck, picking family up, and you're recording a podcast. Sounds like you got a pretty busy schedule. Hey, then we're going on Dorian Trail. Do you know what the Dorian Trail is? I do is? not. Okay, Dorian was a storm last week, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, he came over, got to Savannah, then went up the East Coast. Well, we're going to Savannah and then up the East Coast. So okay. we're going to do everything Dorian Trail did, except we won't do the damage and we're not going to Canada. There you go. I hope you don't do the damage. <laughs> so are you just doing that for vacation purposes? Correct. The family's okay. coming in from England, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and take them up uh, the you know, and see a little bit of the East Coast. They've done a lot of Ohio where we're based out of, but uh, it's time to do things different. So they'll fly into Atlanta and leave out of Detroit next month. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you and I have known each other for a little while, probably about what, a year? About a year now, yep. Through Facebook. Through Facebook and then uh, obviously your awards at um, Expo in Indianapolis. That was fantastic and great to witness you. Thank you. You're welcome. So we... um, I don't know how we got connected, but I'm, I'm assuming it's through one of the Facebook groups. Probably we're both deplorable. So, yeah. you know, that's definitely a call <laughs> out to them. And yeah. uh, uh, we do interact a lot within that Facebook group. And and I've mentioned the Garage Door Tech Deplorables group here before, but I just want to take a second and just share a little bit about it. I, I think the name might be a little bit misleading, maybe a little bit. The deplorables is a little bit misleading because they're the most awesome group on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, you do have the techs and you do have the North American groups and you have a number of other groups out there. Yeah. But we all got to remember that the deplorables are a family and you mess with one deplorable and you're going to mess with all of us. Yeah. And it's really a, and a it's great not very, group to be with. It's not like a super political group either. I mean, we're not talking about like politics per se. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about garage doors, but the thing that excites me the most because my heart and passion is helping people out. I mean, that's, you're correct. I mean, you know, you're helping people out and not only, uh, they have a, a nonprofit group that they've just had that they're, they're trying to, what is it? Vertical lift. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're trying to donate back. I mean, come on, we all know Chris Lowry just recently, uh, lost a family member or a close relative that uh, the deplorables all pitched in and allowed for him to to go back to Michigan. 
Oh, I hate saying that name. That's mm-hmm. that's the state up north. Yeah, uh, the one you're that from begins, Ohio. I'm that's from Ohio, so you got to remember that's the state up north. Yeah. But um, you know, we all pitched in and and uh, got Chris back. And if it was as little as ten dollars, that's, that's all somebody could uh, donate. Then it was only ten dollars. Yeah. And those that could uh, donate a little bit more, they donated a little bit more. But it was uh, a great thing. So the deplorables are becoming more recognized. I'm trying to. Um, uh, establish or have established uh, a social media award uh, within IDA so that um, down the road as uh, the social media footprint becomes bigger that, um, you know, they can be recognized accordingly. And while we're on that topic, if you don't mind me saying, you know, there's been talk within IDA to say, hey, you know, why don't we uh, start up our own page. Why don't we do this? Why don't we manage that? The bottom line is Garage Door Tech and the Garage Door Deplorables and the North Americans have a footprint out there that's already established. Mm-hmm. We couldn't duplicate that. We couldn't right. do what they do. We have to let that uh, move forward and, um, you know, basically ride their coattail. Yeah. Um, we will, um, There, there is a, a new Facebook page. It'll probably be coming out in a little bit with IDA, but we'll talk about IDA down the road. But, uh, uh, you know, you'll probably be seeing a new Facebook page also, but it's not anything to compete with the deplorables or techs. Those guys in North America, those guys are doing such an awesome job managing those groups. The participation within there is phenomenal, and I'm just glad to be part of them. Yeah, yeah. So I want to take a walk down memory road with you. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the garage door business. It's kind of a weird story, Ryan. And over the years, I've echoed this. We've been in business now for uh, just over 30 years. And we started, uh, I was a full-time firefighter. And on my days off, uh, I was doing uh, handyman jobs. You actually look like a firefighter. Thank you. <laughs> like you genuinely do. Like when I picture a firefighter, like they look like you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I, I was a firefighter. Um, also, I was a Marine at one time too. So let's put thank that into play. Thank you for your service. Thank you for saying thank you. Um, but uh, I basically uh, had a friend of mine that got activated for Desert Storm. Uh, he was a reservist. And when he came back uh, from his activation, he was in the overhead door industry and uh, didn't have a job when he came back. So he went to work for me doing handyman jobs on my days off from the firehouse and kept on telling me, hey, you know, let's go into the garage door business. Let's go into the garage door business. I can do it. I can do it. And uh, long story short, we started Doors Galore and uh, it's taken off over the 30 years. I never would have imagined my business would have grown the leaps and bounds that it did, but it's all based on going out and doing an honest stage uh, work. And that's what we did. So, um, uh did you transition? Was that a slow process, you starting the business? Oh, or? yeah. We started a bedroom in my house. You know, we, we were the proverbial Chuck in a truck. He was Chuck, and I, had awesome. the, I bought the truck. <laughs> and um, my wife uh, answered the phone. Uh, we had one phone line, and my wife answered the phone, and she would write down the service calls or whatever came in. And, uh, you know, you would get one door maybe a week and three service calls, and uh, you would basically try to go out and, you know, do the best you could. But we still had the handyman business that if we needed to, we could fall back on. Yeah. The company grew and uh, we opened our first uh, storefront, which was in an old uh, lumber yard. And then well, how long, how many years in was that? I would say we were three years when we uh, went to the lumber yard. 
did the lumber yard for about five years and uh, then went ahead and did our own brick and mortar where we actually put a loading dock in. So that when uh, the delivery trucks come in, they can pull into a loading dock and bought the forklifts and the scissors lifts and the pallet jacks and everything. That's that goes a huge on. investment. It's a huge investment. You are correct. I mean, I just took you of a tour of this place. And I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, we're, we moved in here a little over a year ago. We signed a two-year lease prior to moving in here, grew out of that space in six months. And we, this space right here is three times what we had. And we're already a little bit grown out of this space. But the biggest challenge that we have is the loading dogs. Well, that, I could see that too. But, you know, here's the big difference between your office and my office. Your warehouse is about the size of my administrative office your administrative offices are about the size of my warehouse. <laughs> so, but you also echoed the fact that, Hey, we have five distribution facilities within 30 minutes of here. Yeah. You know, my closest distribution facilities an hour away. So we work on totally different concepts and right. totally different, um, uh, avenues. Uh, I basically detest, as we talked earlier, I detest sending a truck to a distribution facility to, pick up a, a product. How much man hours, how many man hours do you lose at that distribution facility? Yeah. And um, where I have a semi come in and within an hour's time, we have it uh, offloaded. Um, then the warehouse guy takes over and inventories it and make sure everything's received and, and uh, get staged for... Let's hang uh, out here for a second, like on this topic. Okay. Because I, I think that... Um, there's different models for different dealers, but I want to talk about the advantages to doing it your way. And then I also want to talk about some of the advantages to doing it my way. And then last week, you know, I don't know if you listened. Did you listen to the Tommy Mello? I have not listened to the Tommy Mello. Okay. So Tommy said that he's going away from keeping inventory and he's actually um, somehow going a different direction. So I didn't dig into that, but I got a question today on Facebook about, uh, about that very topic. Like, mm -hmm. um, they would like to know what type of inventory management or how is he planning on stocking the trucks if he doesn't have the inventory. But inventory is a huge investment. I mean, it's it's really hard, especially if you're in your first couple of years of starting a business, to do inventory. Correct. Um, and I've always stocked springs and repair parts. Doors are a little bit different. And um, for me, the biggest thing is I don't want doors to get damaged in my shop. Right. I think the more they get handled, the more they get damaged. So for me, I'm thinking if we could pick them up in the morning and have one guy go do that and then he go uh, deliver the doors to a job site or whatever, that's minimal effort. And then I don't have thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars sitting back there. Um, but the mindset that you have is slightly different and probably a little bit more efficient when it comes to doors mm -hmm. in general. Um, tell me some of the advantages that you found since you've started doing that. Well, we basically started at chucking a truck, not having everything, ordering it from Service Spring, getting in the next day, telling the customer we'll have to come back. You have so many return visits. By the way, they're not callbacks, they're return visits. Okay, right. you got to get away from the negative of being a callback and, and being positive and say it's a return visit. I like that. Um, they're not a customer, they're now your friend. You've been there, you've done work, you've exchanged money and things of that nature. But you turn around and 
if we didn't have the inventory that we have in stock, we are going to spend a lot of time and effort running after product. We don't want to run after product. We want product brought to us. So we have the product delivered to us. We are a bulk hardware buyer. We are a bulk track buyer, uh, bulk spring buyer. And we feel that um, we save basically $50 a door by being a bulk uh, product buyer. Nice. And when you ha- when you do buy bulk, and by the way, here's something else for people to understand when you do the bulk, stick with your seven foot tall doors. Okay, if you order an eight foot tall door, special order the thing. Yeah. Um, your cables, everybody knows that our hardware boxes are set for um, seven foot doors. They're, they're also uh, able to go to eight foot doors, but you don't keep that bulk spring uh, inventory in stock. So we just basically stock the bulk inventory of springs for seven foot tall doors and stay within about a three to five IPPT from each spring size and diameter and things of that nature and run it up. But anytime we do an eight foot or taller door, we special order the stuff in. But we built our inventory up. Nobody's nobody, unless you have thousands of dollars, just like you said, are going to be able to establish their their hardware and their hardware shelves and their inventory area um, without a, a massive influx of, of funds and revenues. Right. And we all know the guy starting out is not going to have that. But the number of salesmen that come into our establishments and say, "Boy, you run a clean ship," or "Your warehouse is clean and organized." And you walk around and you don't be afraid to go to somebody else's warehouse and somebody else's setup because you can learn. And I've been to a number of places where you step back and you ask, hey, can I take a picture of the way you do this? And they say, sure, you know, because you can learn by going to those other places. Even distribution centers. Correct. I've seen ways that different uh, distribution centers stock their motor rails or their vinyl trim and I snap a picture. I I, I'm super intrigued. I I'm an organizational freak. I like everything to be clean and organized. I don't like paper. And when it comes to the warehouse, I still haven't quite figured out all the best ways to store certain things. And so, uh, and you may not have that answer, right? You know, as we all know, we have to keep our minds and, and thought processes open. Maybe somebody in your staff has a better idea of doing it. And we all know we have to have that open mind and be able to take ideas from our employees, from our staff, and uh, even somebody that walks in here that uh, is a salesman uh, representing uh, a door manufacturer. They may right. come in and give you a better idea. Yep. And you got to take that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very impressed with your setup here, you know, but you don't have the inventory that I have. You don't have the um, uh, the trim problems and things of that nature. I mean, we buy bulk trim. Uh, are you buying it pieced together? So, like, are you buying sections from one manufacturer and then track from a different? Yep. Okay. Okay. And I, I and have I've no problems in saying that's the best this. way to do it financially. We, we did a lot with Napoleon and... Um, uh, I've even gone to Napoleon's uh, facility and picked up the stuff there. The shipping costs began to become too much. Right. So we basically met with uh, the representatives of AMAR, and I am an AMAR dealer. I've been a big AMAR dealer for 30 years. Uh, I'll even go back and share a statement that I said uh, probably 20 years ago where I uh, I, I had an, uh, an AMAR salesman in my uh, 
facility, and he said, uh, why don't you buy our product right now? And I said, because AMAR's a nicety, not a necessity. And he worked to change my attitude to that and where I like AMAR today, somebody else may like CHI, somebody else may like Clopay. Um, so I worked hard and AMAR decided to look at our hardware pricing and became competitive. So then I already have an AMAR truck coming to my facility once a yeah, week. That makes sense. Why not try to put that bulk hardware on there and I'll save the $600 shipping fee. So that's what we started doing, and um, so I do bring it in. I do buy sections only from another man, major manufacturer, um, and we put their doors out with the AMAR hardware. Uh, obviously not pinch-proof stuff because right. uh, the pinch-proof stuff. They're doing away with that. They've done away with it, yeah. Yep. It's still available, but uh, you have to specify that you want it. I'm not going to lie, I did a small little uh, celebration dance when I yeah. found that out. <laughs> it, it, it was good to, <laughs> to kind of get rid of it. But um, And it streamlines, it streamlines manufacturing for them as well. It does. I mean, I think more and more, I feel like the manufacturers of the steel sections are moving away from, or are actually moving toward selling sections only. I kind of feel that's the way. And I don't know if that's just around here, but people are starting to buy hardware from different places and piece things together. Yep. And so I, I kind of feel like that's the direction things are going. Now they're saying there is a liability issue there. Who's, who's taking responsibility of putting this package together? Okay. Well, I'm not buying directly from China right. uh, for this stuff. The people that I am buying for from uh, are reputable DASMA recognized hardware providers, and uh, the sections are coming from a DASMA recognized uh, supplier, and my springs are coming from a DASMA recognized uh, supplier. Is there a liability? There's a liability in every right. single job we do every single day, and we can't. Uh, be scared all the time. Uh, if somebody's going to sue us, we bring all these parties together and we make it happen. Uh, nobody's going to run away from it. Uh, everybody's been involved in some form of litigation. Uh, oh my God, you have no idea. Yeah. Uh, oh, I do have ideas. <laughs> uh, I'm 40. Yeah. I've gone 36 years without any lawsuits and I've been sued three times since I started this company. And isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's and, crazy. Um, you know, it, it's a sh it's a shame that you have to have an attorney on speed dial. Yeah, and I talk to her every month at least. Yeah, once. Why? You know, but all you want to do is do an honest day's work. Yeah, but yet there's people out there that want to play games. Yeah, and that's a shame. Yeah, but um, anyways, that's how we do things. Um, I really believe that there's a lot of lost time spent at distribution facilities, not only on the company side, meaning me as an individual door dealer, sending my guy down to a distribution facility to pick up 10 doors, uh, and he spends three hours doing that or three to eight hours doing that. But on the distribution facility side also, um, they, they basically lose time there as well um, with their people loading up, talking shop and things of that nature. Uh, people really ought to, if you have a distribution facility and they're capable of delivering to you, it's 60 bucks. 
how long are you going to spend your guy and your time going down to, to pick something up? Right, I agree. Spend the 60 bucks and yep. let them deliver it to you. But I could understand in your case, you have five distribution facilities. I don't know if you pull from one uh, primarily or if you so run we around buy, Yeah, I can talk about it. So we primarily purchase from Southeast Door uh, Technologies, which is in Norcross. And they um, they we buy total packages usually when we buy doors. So we do probably about 80% of our business with them. But then we spread out the other 20%. I buy from Horman, AMR, Clopay, and uh, even DoorLink. And so we have all of those guys. I mean, literally those distribution centers, if I'm at one, I'm 10 minutes from the other. The other. So uh, it's a straight shot down the highway for us. It's just a little bit rough if you don't leave early enough to get down there. Uh, traffic can start to back up and it can get a little bit bad. But I mean, when it comes to buying doors for us, I mean, it just, it's easier. I, I haven't figured out, like, I don't want to sell white short panel raised Pandors. Like right. if I can avoid it, that's, I want to sell like CHI plank doors and classicas and like, I really enjoy seeing a home with a white short panel raised door on it. And then we put a classica on there or we put a CHI plank door or a carriage overlay door on it. The trans trans the transformation that takes place is beautiful. You stick a sign in the yard, everybody drives by, you get phone calls, people are interested. It's a trickle effect. You can take those pictures and stick them on Facebook and tons of people like them and share them. And But when you stick that picture of a short panel raised Pandora on there, Nobody's liking and sharing it. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things where I love to get do doors that get attention. That's my thing. I love to get the attention from the doors we install. I would love to be in this market where I could do that. You know, the market that I'm in is a typical blue collar that uh, lives payday to payday. And they're just happy to get that uh, Pandor in Ohio installed. Yeah. Uh, they don't care whether it's short panel, long panel or even if I install it upside down, just as long as when they push their genie, because everybody in Ohio has a genie, they push their genie. Really? Yeah. You know, we all know it's a remote and we all know it's an opener, but that's a genie to them. Yeah. And uh, 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 when they push their genie, which is their remote, that door goes up and they push it, their genie, and that door goes back down again. And everything's that's what great. It's like? that, that's all it's like in Ohio. That drives me crazy. Oh, it does. It does. I'm, I'm sure there's some markets within Ohio, yeah. you know, over in Columbus and things of that nature that have a little bit more uh, market to, to be able to upsell and things of that nature. But the the standard, and that's, once again, how's it easy for me to stock? Because 90% of market. my business is is a standard 16 by 7, standard 8 by 7, standard 9 by 7, white short panel. Um, you know, we can try all day long to upsell. But it all comes back to something you and I talked about earlier. It's what the customer wants. Yeah. And if the customer wants that short panel pan door that's the most economical that I can put in, I'm going to provide it to them. I think that's, we touched on it briefly. I'd like to chat about it. I'm becoming Switzerland where I don't care if I sell a CHI or DoorLink or AMAR or Clopay. I mean, and I'd like to ask you honestly, like, when we're talking about sections, mm -hmm. just sections, right. no hardware, is there a big difference between a 25-gauge CHI door and a 25-gauge Clopay, DoorLink, AMR, et cetera? I don't think so unless until you get to the Windsor product line, which can also 
ultimately lose some sty placements and things of that nature. Yeah. But uh, I don't think so. I agree with you 100%. If, if we're talking all of them have the same amount of styles, right, and they all have 25-gauge steel, they're all virtually making short panel raised, long panel raised, short, long panel carriage stamp. They're, like, I would say there's probably, like, quality-wise – there's not a huge difference. No, I mean, it all comes down, like you said, to uh, I think it's on the hardware side that there could conceivably be a difference. And right. you as a door dealer have to recognize that. And uh, I won't install a door with those rivet rollers on them. I, I guess that's what you call it. It only has a rivet in the end of it and yeah. hold, holds the plastic roller on. You know, if it's not a 10 ball bearing nylon roller, I'm not putting it in. Right. And, um, but that's on the hardware side, on a section side. I agree with you 100%. You know, I it, it's all going to boil down to the manufacturer that you use the most and can turn that product. I, I can't tell you that I wouldn't buy from ProDoor, if they had a 16-7 almond door sitting on the floor, but it's going to take me four weeks to get it from Amar, uh, that I'm, I'd be immune to running to ProDoor to grab that door. So I want to touch on something else. We don't have to talk bad about anybody. I don't want to do that. But I do want to address and just ask you. So we've got a lot of Windsor doors going in here right? with one style Correct. vertical going down the middle. Correct. Are, is this a proven product? Or is it holding up? Evidently, it is. And, and you know, I haven't, except for what I've read on Facebook. Uh, I haven't read anything, so fill oh, me in. Pe- people have posted uh, different pictures of the single sty door on a 16-foot door. Whether they strut every section, I don't think they do. Um, I think it's just, once again, a new construction, economical door. Yeah. And I don't want to talk bad about Windsor Easy e- either, but, you know, it, as a door guy, you know, that's been doing this for yeah. years— um, I don't see the, the practicality. Don't matter, no, right? no, I'm I'm scared to death of it. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll just wait and see how yeah, it goes. Yeah, I'm not going to sell it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably not going to sell it either. But I mean, I, I make a living on garage doors being installed on new construction that get damaged prematurely. Right. Like I make a living off of that, and and it's not getting any better. So I just see my future getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So. I, I hate it for the homeowner, but the more stuff that we put out there as an industry like this, I mean, I've got, I, I know like Wayne Dalton, they don't build apparently the 9100 with overlay on the front, but guess Correct. what? They're everywhere here, like everywhere. People are buying the 9100s and putting like heavy overlays on the front and no struts. And I literally I keep them in business buying the top mount operator brackets and we're constantly replacing those doors. And so that's part of it. But I mean, the carriage style doors are popular here and the builders here drive the prices down on these garage door guys. And naturally they're like, Hey, if I can buy this door for super cheap and then build on top of it, I can win this builder's business. And I think that's naturally the path that it goes on. And so if money's the driving factor, I think that's just where we're going to end up every single time. And it's great for me because all we really do is retro. So I'm tearing out just about everything that we do. I could care less about a builder. Me too. And so, you know, I, I, you're not going to make any money in the builder business. I do know a couple people that do make money via the builder business. It's a volume game. It's a volume game. And, um, but they can, 
uh, go ahead and get a 16.7 installed for 40 bucks. I can't get a 16.7 installed for 40 bucks labor. Right. But Aaron, I want to circle back around to a couple things. Um, one, remember you made the mention that uh, the more times you handle something, the more times the, the possibility of it being damaged. Yeah. I would really like to say that we handle a lot of product every single year. And I would like to say that we cause less than 1% damage. Really? So it's really, really small. Yes, a door panel will slip out of your hands once in a while and it will cause damage. And you got to, you know, cowboy up and say, hey, you know, I caused this damage. You don't want to throw that back yeah, on the manufacturer. We just did that last week. Yeah. Two it, weeks ago. It happens. And, um, but don't let that be your deterrent that, right. uh, hey, because I'm handling this a second time, it's it's going to cause damage. It's just not there. It's not not a proven uh, theory in, in my we company. You just get so much damage. I mean, so much damage. I'm having to go back out to one job a week. And that is the damage section. It's either it's either like the roller waves or it's dents or creases or I mean and and I still don't even know where I stand where like we sell a lot of three layer doors. If there's a dent or a crease on the back side of a three layer door, how do you handle that? Well, once it, sometimes we'll ask the customer if they will accept that and give them a discount on it. You know, hey, we'll give you 50 bucks off. My trip back out there is worth 50 bucks. Of course. And normally my manufacturers are good at um, replacing them or giving me that credit back. Uh, obviously, they want pictures and things of that nature. Yeah. But uh, it is very, very uh, daunting to, to go ahead and get that. Now, you also have to look at the fact, did you cause... The damage to that section when you loaded it on your truck and you tied it down too tight yeah you know do you have dunnage panels on top our company we have a um a policy that you have a dunnage panel bolted to the, your ladder rack and so your doors do lay flat on a panel they do not lay flat on the racks themselves so we put wood okay. two by sixes okay and I've seen other people do that as well. And as long as it has that flat surface to lay on and, you know, it's not laying on a ladder rack, then correct. You did not cause that problem. And you do have to ask either for compensation back and offer the, the customer that. But we all know the customer, if they want that section changed out, it's going to get changed out. How, how did I handle it when I ran my company day to day? Because remember, I don't run my company day to day. I don't know what they do today. But um uh, we used to keep that that section, although they, we would be sent a replacement, we would keep that section. And once in a while, we would sell a, de- a scratch and dent door or a dunnage door. And um, we would make our money back in that regard. Okay. Now, if you have a 17-7 door, so you got a 17-foot section that's a 17 by 21, you're never going to get rid of that. Right. It might as well go right to the metal dumpster. <laughs> but uh, if it was a 16-foot door... You could and use that as a dummy section on you your truck. You could use that for a dummy section on yeah. your truck. So, um, but that that's those things there. Callbacks or return visits are notorious for our industry. It, they suck, but guess what? You know, you got to cowboy up once again, it. and it's part of it. And you got to build that into your pricing so that you can have... Uh, a return visit at your leisure. Because if it's not an emergency, I'm not dropping everything to run out there. Right. You can send me a picture of it and we'll deal with it with the manufacturer that way. And when we get the replacement section in, we'll come out. We're not going to go running around all over the place. Also, 
we all know before and after pictures, especially after pictures that show your stickers on the door, mm-hmm. the inside of that door, uh, the outside critical. of that door are critical. Uh, I wish I could convince my office that every single one of these are correct. Uh, but it doesn't happen all the time, but they are critical pictures. I mean, I've had guys tell me like homeowners call me back out and want to meet with me and I go out there and they're trying to convince me that there's a crack in their ceiling because we put the, the angle iron in and either had to bend it slightly or we, we tightened it too much and created a crack. And so I mean, we take interior photos before we install, and then we take interior exterior when we're done. We go and, burn on that. Re- real recently, we took uh, a customer's opener down to put up a new opener, and there was a hole in the ceiling. Now, we didn't identify that hole when we took the old opener down, so when we put the new opener up, you know, that hole showed. Well, the customer wanted us to fix it. We fixed the hole, but yeah. you could clearly tell. Yeah. that that hole was not a fresh hole, that there was dirt and uh, fumes, exhaust fume r- r- residue laying where, where it was and everything else. It was not our hole. Right. But once again, the customer's always right. So you yeah. spend a couple trips, run out there and do some plaster work and say, here you go. Yeah. So you started in your basement. Started in the bedroom of my house. Bedroom. Oh, wow. Went to a warehouse uh, and then bought our own facility and built our own facility that we've been in. Is that a good decision for you buying instead of renting? Yes. Yes. Um, At this point in time, I imagine you've probably saved some money. You got a little bit of cushion. You're profitable. Well, and it's our building, you know, there, there's no question about it. Now, um, the guy that went into business with me, uh, he basically owns part of the business, but he does not own part of the building. That building's mine and my wife's and, um, the nice part about it is if we ever leave the industry, um, we all know the company can go anywhere. Yeah. Anybody can move down the street and put this into a strip mall or whatever the case may be. And um, the building's still mine and I could sell it for beer drive through or something right. of that nature. And you can lease it back to your company. and make Correct. It. I mean, I know uh, I've got a friend of mine who has multiple businesses and he created a separate LLC where he owns the properties. Right. And then the companies that he owns actually lease the properties from him. Correct. So he's making money off of the properties. He's got the write-offs. I mean, it works. It, it's, it's, it's a, a nice good setup. It's a good setup and it helps in my retirement. Yes. Right. There's no doubt about it. It helps in my retirement. Um, my company, uh, I stepped away from it about five years ago. My son and daughter-in-law. So for, real quick, for timeline purposes, we started in the bedroom. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Where most things start. Well, we started in the bedroom, and then we went to the lumber yard for about uh, three years. Okay. We, we were in the bedroom for about two years. Um, so lumber yard for about years three in, years. And you buy your building. We bought the property. Bought the property. And then built the building. Okay. And um, now, were you able to get a loan for that? The property you got to buy yourself. Okay. You know, no so paid cash for the property. Yeah. Okay. You had to pay cash for the property, and but also remember during all this time, I had another income coming in. I'm still a firefighter. Ah. So you know, it, it definitely, 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 and if I'd never said it before, definitely helped that I had an income that I could support my family through yeah. and save. My partner. He was the highest paid employee in the company, still is the highest paid employee in the company, uh, because he had to work 
to, to put the food on the table for his family and the garage door industry was the one. I would go without a check. He couldn't go out without yeah. a check. So Very rarely do partnerships work out. And we're not a 50-50 partner by ch- by any means. We, I am the predominant owner of the company, but uh, he had to get something in return for what he was doing and how, how he built, how, how he helped us build it. Yeah. And he basically has done an awesome job over the years and he has aged out of turning wrenches now and uh, is our salesman. And he will continue to uh, on for a few more years and stuff. And at some point in time, he's just going to say, hey, give me my money. Yeah. And uh, I want my retirement. So we will take care of that. But uh, we've been so in our five current, years. So five years, you buy the land. Yep. How long did it take you to build? Um, just due to some personal problems, we, we were backed up about 18 months. Okay. So uh, it wasn't anything else but um, a very personal issue that took place during that time. And uh, we couldn't break ground. Gotcha. Um, so when we did break ground, we were real quick. Okay. Uh, we were up and in it with probably within about four months. Oh, wow. And, uh, uh, but it's been an ongoing process ever since because you want to add on here and you want to do yeah. this and you need more space here right. and you need to do this. But there's other things like, you know, lawn maintenance and snow plowing and things like that. Yes, we do have snow. No, we don't have <laughs> and We get uh, ice, rain, and just extreme heat. Yeah. And you basically, your ice stays for 24 to 48 yeah. hours at the most and That's it's it. gone. Yeah. But, um, you know, you do have building maintenance and things of that nature and zoning laws and asphalt here and asphalt there. So it is um, uh, trying at times. But uh, we built outside of the city. So uh, we are in a township instead of in a, within city limits. And so you like that better? I like it a lot better. Probably less restrictions. Less restrictions. No, I'm in a city here. And, right. And as much as I love my city, shout out to Buford City. Um, they can be a pain in the butt sometimes. You know, would they allow you to have four dumpsters? No. You know. Like, uh, that's my biggest challenge. Y'all want to know what my biggest challenge in my business is right now? Dumpsters. Disposing of doors. My biggest challenge. Like, I'm having the hardest time with it. And you can't put a metal dumpster here, probably. Nope. Actually, the I told you we have a garage door company behind us. Yeah. They have a, a metal recycled dumpster, and I made a deal with them. They're getting paid. So I'm dumping there for free for metal doors. Okay. But there's tons of the masonite, like wood. Wood doors, yeah. right. Uh, and we're tearing those things out every single day. Right. And we got nowhere to put them. So we literally have to go to the distribution center to drop those off at least. So oh, they'll let you there, drop them off? Yeah. So while we're there, we're throwing them in their dumpster. And so we're picking up while we're there. But the way, the way we run it um, is... We have a metal dumpster, obviously, that we can throw all our metal in. We have an aluminum dumpster that we throw all our aluminum in. Uh, we had been running two uh, separate dumpsters, one for cardboard, because obviously we all generate a lot of cardboard, mm-hmm. and another one for uh, the door panels themselves. Uh, we've recently got rid of those two dumpsters and went to one other roll-off dumpster. So we throw all our cardboard and, and um, doors in together. And, you know, yeah, you're spending about 300 bucks a month uh, dumping those dumpsters and stuff like that, but you're getting good revenue in on your aluminum and your metal dumpsters, and you have to just let those two play offset each other and uh, get rid of that problem. Now, what you have to do here, I have no idea. Like you said, having them down the road that you can throw your metal dumpster, I mean, your metal into there, that's great. But uh, your wood doors, if you can get rid of them at your DCs, hey, that's great. Yeah. You know, uh, 
it, it's fantastic to be able to go ahead and get rid of them that way. A lot of people have to go to dumps and dump them off or landfills yeah. and things of that nature. So how long have you been at this facility? This facility, 25 years. Okay. So it's been a long time. Yes. Yes. So adding up, you've been in the industry for a little over 30, 30 years. years. Okay. Yep. Very cool. And uh, it's been a great ride. And like I said. Uh, when did you step away as like oh, getting away from the day-to-day operations? Well, I retired from the fire department 13 years ago. Okay. And that's hard to believe that it's been 13 years that I retired from the fire service. Um, I became active in the company again for about five years. And then I started to step away from it and let my son and daughter-in-law take things over. And now um, my daughter-in-law, who's my rock star at the shop, uh, they run the day-to-day operation. My son is now the firefighter on the same fire department that I was on. Uh, we did get to ride the same rig for about six months together. And uh, then they became smart enough and saying, hey, we can't have these two family members riding on the same rig. we got to yeah. split them up. So they split us up. And then I ultimately went to Oklahoma and finished out my career in Oklahoma. But um, I was fortunate enough to retire uh, with 32 years of federal time. So uh, once again, I have that yep. other income coming in. And... My son and daughter-in-law run a day-to-day operations, and now I can volunteer my time. And four years ago, I started volunteering for the International Door Dealers Association and was fortunate enough to get elected to Region 3. And Region 3, just so I can call this off because I got to yell out to Region 3, is Ohio, the state up north that begins with the letter. Uh, <laughs> so much hate, but you're, you manage it. No, I, I, lo- I have a lot of friends in Michigan. So are you Ohio um, State fan or Michigan I am fan? a football fan. Okay. Okay. I could care. If, if Ohio State and Michigan are playing head-to-head, whatever team wins that game and they won it fair and square predominantly and played a good game on the field, I'm that fan. So, so. we're opposite that way. Okay. So I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Okay. And I, I didn't have that. a choice, just so you know. I was I can think back as long as I could think, and it was probably four or five years old. There's pictures of me dressed up in Georgia gear. I mean, like during halftime, my dad would stack pillows and like hand me the ball and I'd dive over it like I was going into the end zone like Herschel Walker. I mean, I didn't have a choice. Nineteen eighty one. I'm a firefighter in Albany, Georgia. Okay. And I I remember my captains yelling, you know, give the ball to Herschel, give the ball to Herschel. And, uh, you know, big Georgia Bulldog fan. So I like Georgia also, you know, when it comes to college ball, you know, those, those young men out there that are fighting for the yardage and everything else like that, I want to see them, uh, have a good game. So I have a great amount of hate for anybody we're playing after we're done. I'm good. Right. Unless we lose. Yeah. And then I hate you forever. But I am a diehard, like, if you go in my office, you'll see I got a George Bulldogs uh, autographed uh, Todd Gurley jersey mm-hmm. right by my desk. I've got three more I'm waiting on the frames for. I got uh, Chubb, Michelle, and Roquan Smith. And uh, those are about to go on the wall in my office. Like, I'm I'm diehard. Like, That's awesome. Saturdays, my wife knows. Like every, everything revolves around the Georgia game during football season. And uh, we get wings. The kids hang out. They watch the game with me. And if they talk too much, I kick them out. Yeah. So what about the Falcons? I'm not a huge Falcons fan. Is that right? Believe it or not. Like, I think when I was growing up, the Falcons really sucked bad. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I never really got into NFL. The only reason I watched NFL as a kid was when I followed players that I really liked from college because I've always watched college ball. Right. And so um, the biggest team that I could say that I was probably the closest to was probably the Raiders. And the only reason I was probably a Raiders like fan for a small amount of time was I just really enjoyed watching Bo Jackson. And I was a baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball. That was what I was really good at. And he played baseball. He played football as well as Deion Sanders. So I loved both of those guys. And watching Bo Jackson play football was really exciting. I had Bo Nose posters in my room when I was a kid. And so I naturally just kind of gravitated towards the Raiders. But as far as the Falcons go, like they never draft Georgia Bulldogs. Um, They always – seem to have something going on that I'm just like, we could do better. You know, I I love to represent my state and my city. So for that aspect, I cheer for them, but I'm not, I don't really have a team that I say I'm a diehard, this fan. Uh, I stayed up last night during the George or the Falcons game and watched the recorded Rams game because Todd Gurley was playing. So to tell you, My kid had softball practice, so I was at her practice during the uh, Rams game. We got home around 7.45, and I immediately turned on the Rams game and watched that instead of the Falcons. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, so you can take me out of Pittsburgh, but you can't take the Pittsburgh out of me. So I do do love the Steelers. That's Um, a good choice. Heinz Ward. Well, well, okay. George Boy. I have a a picture of my daughter interviewing Heinz Ward because my daughter was a a reporter in Pittsburgh for a while. And she covered the Steelers and and Penguins and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm a diehard Steelers fan. They're not doing too good this year, but uh, that's the way it goes. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, rebound. In 10 days, hockey season starts. So uh, I'm a very, very big Penguin fan and and do love that. so I do enjoy my sports also, and uh, my favorite uh, clean joke, obviously, being from Ohio, I have to have um, uh, some candor with uh, dealing with Cincinnati and, and Cleveland, and my uh, cleanest joke is, uh, do you know why Columbus, Ohio, doesn't have a professional football team? Why? Because then Cleveland and Cincinnati would want one too. Hey guys, have you heard of a company <laughs> so, named Somer? Anyways, Somer built uh, some of the best that openers good on the market, to tell a priest. which yeah. are all produced in Germany. But uh, anyway, they've that, busted uh, on the scene here recently, where we are and for as good far reason. Sports is concerned, they offer tons and, uh, of flexibility. Now we got to get. I'll I give guess, you a few reasons why this diehard Master fan, me, started buying Somer operators recently. The Somer team here in the U.S. provides excellent customer service and had all the answers to my questions. Roman and Andy, the U.S. reps, they're easy to deal with. The rail for this operator is in the box. Talk about space saving. Somer can solve so many problems that others can't. My experience has been amazing, and I challenge you to try Somer out yourself. Somer has some amazing deals for our listeners. To learn more about these promotions, call Somer at 704-424-5787. Use coupon code TORSIONTALK. You can also visit them online at somer-usa.com. All right, so uh, I feel like we've done a good job getting to know you and gotten a lot of good information out of your processes, and I think a lot of guys can learn from this conversation. I want to take a shift to IDA because I feel like that's how I know you. 
Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's how a lot of people out there know me today is I'm the IDA guy. I came into the IDA, uh, I just started my second term, so we'll say three years ago, and I was really intimidated. It was a very, very intimidating process. Um, I always considered it uh, the good old boys network and uh, trying, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a, a, a funny story. Um, I ran about six different times and over the years, I always lost. I would send out mailers, I would send out emails, I would call people and everything else asking for votes and I still lost and lost. So at that time, the managing um, director, Chris Long, uh, gave me a call and he said, Jim, would you run one more time? And I said, Chris, I'm a good loser. Go ahead and put me on the ballot. (laughs) And I never did a thing. I never called anybody. I never campaigned. I did absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden I get this email saying, congratulations, you won Region 3's election and um, you need to be in Las Vegas to take your seat. And I had plans. I couldn't go to Vegas, <laughs> but uh, you learn quickly that uh, you alter those plans. And the next thing you know is I'm in Vegas. And my first year was so intimidating. And I'm a very outspoken individual. I think a lot of people that are know me from the Facebook groups know that I'm uh, very outspoken. But in this uh, room of 20 some odd people, I was very timid and, and uh, really wasn't comfortable. And it wasn't until my second year when I started talking and people started saying, you know, this guy has some decent ideas. They might be crazy, but there's decent <laughs> ideas. And then my second year went to third year and they found out my work ethic. And my work ethic is a little bit different than a lot of the other directors. A lot of the other directors are still actively involved in their their businesses where I'm kind of sitting in the rocking chair a little bit so I can do a little bit more crazy things than what the other directors can. I can right. do, I, I can give a little bit more time than some of the other directors can. I, I can participate on social media a lot easier than some of the other directors can. So my footprint was a little bit different. And by the end of my third year, I became quite comfortable. I luckily got reelected to do a second term, which is now my lame duck term. And uh, in three years, I'll be gone. But during those three years, Hasn't it been great as to, you know, what we've been able to do and how we've been able to identify IDA to those that had no idea of who we were or what we were um, years ago or those that thought it was the good old boy network? Uh, your directors have changed. They become approachable. They can they are people that you can talk to. You can pick up the phone and call them. They'll take your calls. Um, the old directors were that same way, too. But they didn't have the presence of mind to be able to let the people that they work with know that. And so I'm really excited. I'm really passionate about the IDA. Um, I'm really excited to continue to represent Region 3. I never did tell you who Region 3 was, by the way. Yeah, we lost track when we started talking about Michigan. We lost track at Michigan, but it it is Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, um, Kentucky, and West Virginia. So it it is a big territory. I do have the most uh, dealers and manufacturers in my region. Uh, A lot of other companies don't have even a third of what I have in uh, Region 3. But it's it's great to to represent that region. I have met some awesome people uh, while doing this and awesome manufacturers and really I'm, I'm so proud to be part of this industry and so proud to represent it. Now, I am now, I guess, uh, this 
I did in March get voted in as uh, our dealer vice president also. So I am on the exec committee as well. And I hope to be instrumental in, in uh, the continuing changes that uh, we work diligently each and every quarter when we meet to uh, put a better footprint and put a better product out on the street of what IDA, the International Door Dealers Association, consists of. So let's talk a little bit about, um, I'm, I got a lot of questions around IDA. I think a lot of people do. So I'm hoping through this podcast, we can answer a lot of questions, bring some clarity and uh, have a better understanding as a whole. So the, I'll tell you how I found out about IDA. I don't remember exactly what source it was, but you know, you guys were coming to Atlanta and somehow I, I tripped over the fact that you guys were going to be here probably about 30 days ahead of you guys coming. And then somehow figured out you guys have certifications through IDEA, which isn't technically affiliated with IDA, right? Correct. IDEA is a 501c3 uh-huh. uh, organization. So they are a nonprofit uh, organization. IDEA has their own separate board of directors and they receive funding from IDA and DASMA in order to keep in place. So the certification program where everybody thinks it's part of IDA, it's not. It's part of IDEA. Right. And although I have working knowledge of it, I am not an IDEA director. And a lot of times I will tell people everything I know about it, but I will also then give them a director or their managing director's phone number to say, hey, reach out to these people because I'm just giving you secondhand notice or information. I want you to have firsthand information. Right. Well, it was exciting because I, I didn't know what I didn't know, <laughs> you know? And so when I, when I found out about IDA, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then I found out about the IDA expo. Then I found out about IDEA. And I think if you go back and you look at some of the emails, I even told the people, uh, whoever I was emailing, I think I was emailing IDA about IDEA and I was emailing IDEA about IDA. And I was like, you guys are confusing me, driving me crazy. Like, who do I need to talk to for this? So, um, but I eventually got it squared away and I registered to go down and, um, take the classes. So I took the classes and I passed the test for uh, residential certified, uh, door installer and commercial. And, um, I, I was impressed. There was quite a few people that showed up for an event that I didn't even know about until 30 days before. I don't know how everybody else figured out. I don't know how it was promoted or what the network was like before, but to me, it was impressive to see the show up. Um, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about IDA Expo as a whole. So is this a profitable thing for IDA? Okay. Let's see. We can we can touch on this on about three different ways. Okay. IDA is an association that pulls revenue from three streams. Okay. They pull it from their membership, obviously, mm-hmm. which is probably the lowest stream of revenue that we have. Uh, I believe that we have one of the lowest association membership fees in any industry uh, across the board. But uh, we we do have a low membership rate. And I would like to, when you're done with your statement, I would like to break down the different types of memberships membership. that you have. 
then we can really get more confusing. Yeah. Uh, our second revenue stream is the magazine, which everybody can receive the magazine. You do not have to be an IDA member in order to receive the magazine. The advertisers pay for that magazine to be published. They want you to see their advertisement and we want you to see the articles. So you do not have to be an IDEA member. You don't have to be certified with IDEA. If you're a garage door company and you want to receive the magazine and you don't currently receive it, send us an email at uh, you know doors.org or Lori at uh, doors.org. We will get you the magazine. There's no problem whatsoever. Or you can PM me your information and I'll get you the magazine. The third revenue stream and the most lucrative revenue stream is the expo. Gotcha. Uh, it does help us maintain and uh, keep our association viable. We think we put on a darn good show. Last year, I took over as the expo chair and uh, had to co-locate in Indianapolis for the first time with AFA. And we believe that we put on a very good show. We're trying to change it up. I thought it, it was up. good. Yeah. We tried to change it up. Um, when well, we did, were, that, did that work out for you guys joining with uh, what, Metal Fab? Metal Fab and AFA. And defense AFA. Did, was that beneficial? It is beneficial financially. It is not beneficial as far as us wanting to have our own footprint and allowing them to have their own footprint. We signed a three-year contract with them. We're only going to complete two years. Uh, we had a clause in the contract that said that if we could not agree on dates or places or whatever the case may be, then you know no, you did not have to attend. Right. Um, AFA went on to, in our third year, which we are going to co-locate in Salt Lake City with AFA, and then uh, the third year would have been um, Nashville. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. We could not accommodate the dates that AFA, we have confliction, uh, on the international side where people were going to going to be out of the area. So we could not, uh, go to Nashville with AFA. And that's where we came back and, uh, we, we decided to do ours in new Orleans. So that should be interesting. It's going to be a funny, I'll <laughs> tell you what, new Orleans is going to be the one that, uh, will be my footprint a hundred percent because I was involved in it from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, Salt Lake city, we're trying to make fun. Um, I think anybody that comes to Salt Lake city and attends, uh, the events and see what we have to do, uh, and how we're making it different. Cause like I said, every year we're making it different right. in some regards, how we're making it different again in Salt Lake city. I think you'll really enjoy it. We hope that Western footprint that comes out and sees us in Salt Lake city and those that can make it from the East, you know, you're always welcome. We want you there. Yeah. Then we're, you gotta help me. I got to help you. I want to bring my whole crew and start. <laughs> I want, no joke. I want to do a podcast out there. Oh, let's work on it. All right. Let's work on it. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll go. We'll Who go do we need to talk to? Who yeah. do we need to bribe? We're, we're going to bribe somebody. I'll I, tell you. We're a startup, so we don't have a ton of money, but we'll, exactly. we, can, we can figure something out. Let's get a sponsor. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a sponsor. There you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> we can try to get a, a sponsor. And So there it is. If you, if you are interested in sponsoring our trip to IDA, uh, in Utah, IDA Expo, Salt Lake City. Reach out to us, and uh, and we'll chat with you and try to come up with a plan. Let's come up with a major sponsor that uh, 
I'll tell you what, first thing you got to do, Aaron, in, in any business, first thing you got to do is establish a budget. So we got to establish a budget yeah. and then go shoot for the funds. There you go. And uh, let's see who we can pull in to, to sponsor bringing it out. And let's do this on a show floor. I dig it. And, you know, we will have the space there. So I'm more than happy to have a podcast and have uh, spectators out there and we can have a Romy mic and get the, the Romy mic and get spectators asking questions. And yeah, let's do it. But I love uh, it. Uh, I think we, we can make it happen. All right. I think we can make it happen. Anyways. So also I'm trying to get a speaking spot. Well, once again, now you're talking IDEA. Uh, is it really? Yes. See you guys. And all the classes are put on by IDEA. Right. So the expo is really just the vendor side. The vendor side is what IDEA put. We, we basically put on the whole event. IDA puts on the whole event, but okay. we contract with IDEA for the to do all the classes. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Thanks for the clarity, by the way. Correct. Thank you. And we also have some other opportunities happening that I can't say today, but I got another place where possibly I can control you speaking. So nice. we'll work on that um, off the podcast. All right. Okay. Yeah. We can make that happen. But I want to do one more thing. I want to, I'm, I'm going to leak something to you. You guys uh -oh. got to have something and you got to have something leaked. And this isn't going to be talked about until tomorrow on the exec call. Okay. Somebody over the weekend, and I wish I could call you out by name on this podcast, but somebody complained that IDA did not have a big enough footprint on social media. And as I told you earlier in the show, we cannot compete with the deplorables or the North America or the garage door tech. We're not going to try to. Okay. It'd be silly for us to try to come in with a new footprint. Right. We are going to try to establish a Facebook page if it's agreed upon tomorrow that's called Ask IDA. Okay. So that if we do have questions that are IDA related on these social media pages, we can tell people, hey, Go ask IDA directly on their page. Right. All the directors are going to be on that page. All the directors that are on social media are going to be on that page. I sent in, uh, I talked with Kevin Petit, our president, over the weekend. He liked the idea. He wants uh, the approval from the exec committee. Before. I'm so impressed by him. Are you? I okay. Am. That's fantastic. Kevin's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he wants to get the approval from all the from the exec committee basically to go ahead and put the uh, start that Facebook page. But I do believe we're going to have staff interacted on that, and I do believe the directors, such as myself, that uh, have a social media presence, will be in there to answer the questions. So, so when you're on your call tomorrow, tell them that that's two thumbs up from me saying that they need to do that. I. I, I think we're going to get two vote. thumbs up from a lot of people, Good. but I will call your name out. Our, um, uh, what were you, our dealer of the year last year, right? No. What were you last year? I got year? humanitarian. You got the humanitarian award. Yeah. yeah. And we got to give a shout out to Ryan for that too. That, yeah, uh, I appreciate that. The, the stuff that he does and the humanitarian side for his community is by far second to none. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the reason I won that was... Number one, I don't even like to promote it. It actually happened by accident. I'll tell you the story real quick. But um, we we do a lot of giving back. So we have a uh, what we call a hardship program internally. And we actually uh, allow our technicians and our salespeople to nominate people out in the field that we can either do a service or an install for for free or at a heavy discount. Um, so we've done doors, motors, all kinds of stuff. We also have, uh, except for this past year, I actually had a hard time finding somebody, which was uh, very interesting. 
but the prior years, we've always sponsored a family and bought gifts for their kids uh, and the, the, sometimes the parents as well. Uh, for Christmas, we've given away uh, things for Thanksgiving, but we've just done a lot of, of giving here. It's my heart. It's my passion. Uh, I like to, um, I think it's beneficial not for just the people that we're doing it for, but my technicians really feel good walking away knowing that they nominated somebody, they got approved, and they were able to deliver the news that, hey, you're going to get a free door at no cost to you. And the letters and stuff that I receive are are incredible. And I normally don't make that stuff public, but I had visited um, Colleen and Kyle and we were talking about strategies and different things that we do. And I think Colleen had mentioned she wanted to do more giving back. And I explained the program to her. And I think she nominated me or something. And that's oh, isn't that, that great? I always wondered how you got it. Because <laughs> yeah. I know I didn't nominate you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that got started. So I was, um, uh, I, that that's how I, I found out about it. So I didn't even know it was a thing. The only other thing that I can uh, interject on that, because by far you're the leader in that category that I've heard about during my time. But if people don't know who to reach out to and um, how they could give back in your community, go to your school nurse. If you really want to know who knows who's who needs help over the holidays or something of that nature, the school nurse can definitely direct you. In a, in I got a, a friend of mine who uh, just hired my marketing company, such and such, uh, which is a crazy name, but yeah. we'll get into that later. Um, they, they pay off, they're a roofing company. They pay off school lunches. Okay. They go around to all the local schools and find out how much is owed on uh, past due school lunches and they pay those off. I Isn't that awesome? And it's not a lot, right? Right. I mean, something so simple. I mean, some of them, I think they're a couple hundred bucks, 600 bucks. It's, I've seen some as big as two or three grand for the bigger schools. But I mean, these kids, uh, you know, I think the, the pressure... Also, I get an email every time my kid goes negative on our balance and, you know, we're able to pay it. It's just keeping up with it. Right. Um, and I think my child is getting multiple lunches sometimes and giving them to their friends. But nonetheless, I, I think that for some parents, that might be a lot of pressure to be at work and be working hard just to make ends meet and constantly getting these emails from the school saying that your kids passed due on their school lunches. So I, I actually um, we might be starting that as well because I feel like there's a need for that. Yeah, that. Sounds awesome. And, um, you know, my community in uh, Dayton, Ohio, was decimated this past year from tornadoes. Uh, we had 13 tornadoes uh, on Memorial Day set down in our area. And the communities that have been totally destroyed uh, because of that, there's, there's always people out there that need a helping hand. And, um, you know, obviously we're in business. And if somebody has insurance, you want that insurance to go ahead and cover that. Right. But there are circumstances where somebody actually didn't have insurance and they need help. And so there, there's all kinds of things out there and don't be afraid to give back. Right. I agree hundred percent. But uh, anyways, no, the, uh, hopefully Ask IDA will be out there shortly uh, in the next, it, by the end of this week. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but uh, by the end of the week, hopefully we will have Ask IDA out there so that people can direct their questions to us. I have answered uh, so many calls in the last week, uh, people that have asked for my cell phone number or I've told them on social media, hey, here's my cell phone number. They're not in my region or they are in my region. It doesn't matter. I'll talk to you. Yeah. 
So I've always found you to kind of be that way. Yeah, I'm a talker, so yeah. there's no problem there. And I, w- I want to get you the straight scoop. Yeah. Um, we want we want our dealers. Now, one other thing that was kind of comical uh, this week on social media was somebody saying that, you know, IDA needs to take a, a stronger stance like the NRA and, and do legislation and have lobbying and things of this nature. NRA has about 5 million people yeah. in their membership ranks. We have about 2,000. Um, there's a little disparity there as far as uh, membership fees would be uh, considered, things of that nature. So right. we may not be able to to uh, have the lobbying groups uh, in there right now. But uh, I would think that'd be more of a regional thing anyway, right? It, it can be a regional thing. We are beginning to... Um, speak out a little bit more in codes and uh, work with DASMA on the code side of things and have a voice. Um, Once again, as we, you and I spoke off uh, Mike a little while ago is IDA has changed its footprint in the last 18 months to two years. Uh, We've left one management group and went to another management group. Some people may see a difference in style uh, today than what was happening a couple years ago. And that was the board of directors deciding that uh, we wanted to do things a little bit different. IDA has a new um, uh, website, uh, new and approved website, and it's going to continue to improve. We think we're doing improvement with the industry. Uh, We believe that we are listening to our dealers. But as you said yourself, you didn't know who IDA was before we came to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that to be the same thing when we go to Salt Lake City that people don't know who we are or when we go to uh, New Orleans, whatever the case may be. We want people to know who we are. Not everybody's going to join IDA. Right. We're not going to win over everybody. But I'll tell you what, our membership should be a lot higher so that we can support this industry and help it grow and try to keep the bad bobs out of here. All right. We have to allow people to make their money. There are different approaches out there to making money, and we can do it without price fixing. So that's okay. But the bad bobs that go out there and do a lousy job or misrepresent who they are, those are the companies that we need to figure out how we can get out and not allow them in our industry. And that has to go twofold. It's not only IDA's job to do this, but it's our manufacturers who are selling to them that also have to understand that you have a, you have the right to say no to somebody to buy that product. Do you really need their couple thousand dollars? You know, you basically have to uh, have a, a proper business person there doing the job and we'll stand by that job and we have to hold our manufacturers accountable also yeah. in this. I'm going to pull you in on a very controversial subject. Go for it. This has been brought up on both of our podcasts that we've released in the interviews and I keep getting just bombarded through messenger on Facebook from garage door guys all over the country talking about pricing. Mm-hmm. So I want to chat with you about repair pricing. Okay. And, and in comparison new door pricing, whatever. What I find is that there seems to be a huge discrepancy on what to charge customers for certain services. 
around here, everybody, in my opinion, undercharges dramatically for new doors. And then when they get the chance, I think they gauge the customer and they use low prices to get in the door and then they upsell. I think that's the strategy here in the Metro Atlanta market. That seems to be the predominant strategy. So for us, I mean, uh, we charge $300 roughly to uh, do a spring change on a 16 by seven. And people will say, well, that's a ripoff because, you know, the springs don't cost you very much and then the labor to go out or whatever. But um, when you talk about overhead and all the stuff that you have to deal with and pay attention to and, and all that, I mean, there's a certain percentage of that that has to go into the value to the customer as well, right? Like um, not we try to sell everything based on margin, but there's some things that the margin is out of whack on and is a little bit higher because that's the predominant service that we do. So for, for example, spring changes, we may do uh, anywhere from three to eight in a day. Well, if we're doing those and the springs only cost me, let's just say 30 bucks, right? Uh, and the labor, let's just say for a rough estimate, cost me between 50 and 75 bucks. Um, so I'm under $100, but I'm charging 300 bucks for a spring change. But you also have a $40,000 truck in their driveway. You also have... I have to take all those things into consideration. Correct. Yeah, correct. But the you, the the perception from even a lot of garage door guys is you're ripping people off by charging three hundred dollars for a spring change. What do you say about that? But once again, if your customer's receptive to that price, you know that that's okay. There's nothing wrong. They they are receptive to that price because they know what they're getting for that price. They know that you're an individual that. If they have a problem two days down the road, they're going to pick up the phone and call you and they're not going to get an answer machine that they're going to get a live body that says, hey, there's a problem and we're going to be out there. When you're doing that $300 spring job, okay, there are things that you could continue to upsell and change out. And we all know that torsion tubes wear out and that they need replaced. And, you know, you're not out there trying to sell a new torsion tube or something of that nature that uh, is has no wear out period right. to it. Unless of course we all know that somebody didn't put the center bearing in there and all of a sudden you've grind, grinded yeah. down on the shaft. That's a whole different story there. Right. But we all know that there are ones that are out there selling things that aren't needed. When you run into that type of thing, that's where I believe you, you run into your bad bobs because you're providing a service and let's say, let's say you're $50 more than the guy, the chuck in the truck. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you have more to do and, and more responsibility than chuck in a truck and chuck in the truck can put his phone on silent and not answer that customer's phone call. And he doesn't care because he's going to get another call right down the road and not have to worry about that. Why does he want to go back to a job? That's not going to pay him anything. He wants, he wants to run after the money. We have an image problem in our industry we got to clean that up. And I'm not sure that responsibility solely lies on the IDA because your, your problem here in Atlanta is far different than mine in, in Dayton, Ohio. But we all have similar people, no matter what, wherever we go, we have that guy that wants to undercut us. Right. Don't let the undercut job bother you. You have to set your margins. You have to set your prices and you have to charge accordingly. You're not going to get every job, nor do you want every job. Right. 
and you have to know when to turn around and walk away. And at the end of the day, you have an established business here that you have a set pricing structure that the customer can say no to you at any point in time. Of course. As long as they don't say no and they don't object, then you are charging by far a fair deal. Now, let's let's turn around and say when you take your truck in for an oil change. Mm-hmm. You buy a set of tires from ABC Tire Place, and they're going to give you four free oil changes because you bought a set of tires. The only reason they are, they want give the get, do those four oil changes is because they want your truck in there to tell you about the three hundred dollars more of stuff that they want to sell you. Right. That's the way that the society runs. It's not garage door industry. It's not. Right. Uh, auto industry, things of this nature. Well, your shocks are wearing out. Yeah, I know my shocks are wearing out. Well, you ought to spend $300 to replace your shocks. Not this week. No, thank you. Yeah. Hey, your rollers are wearing out. You should spend $85 to replace out your rollers. No, I don't want to. Okay, that's fine. Thank you very much. Not shove it down their throat that, hey, right. you got to pay me $1,400 because I'm going to change your rollers out as well. So I, my conversation with Tom Wadsworth, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Tom. I love him. Awesome death. individual. I think that um, there are some things that he and I probably don't agree on, and that's okay. Uh, I asked him how he suggests garage door dealers come up with their pricing. And his suggestion was we call around to our competitors and find out what they're charging and then find ourselves within a, a reasonable range of them, right? That was 30 years ago, yes. Yeah, and then today, uh, you know, I talked to Tommy. Tommy does a, a, a very analytical view. He finds out how much it costs him to get the job, what his net profit is on, on a job, and then he tries to back into a 10 to 15% net profit on his jobs, which I think is a very smart business approach, making an analytical decision based on data. And his 15% and his is probably going to be significantly higher than my price if we're we're doing the same service because he's got significantly more overhead than I do. But he's spreading it out over multiple states. So it may even balance out to be pretty close. I don't know. But um, my question to you is, how do you suggest garage door guys come up with a price for their services? And boy, that is such an open-ended it is. topic. You know, we could go with the analogy today that, uh, hey, I need to hire more people. Well, no, you don't. Uh, just charge more. And, and then when you when you start seeing that uh, your volume goes down, then charge a little less. Mm-hmm. And let's just, you know, run it by our hip and everything else like that. We all, have, we all know the old 40% margin that, uh, you know, you basically want to make 40% on every job. We all know cost of goods is different. What you pay for a 16-7 Pandora and what I pay for for a 16-7 Pandora are significantly different, probably. Right. So you have, to, you have to establish your own pricing in your own region. You know, my region, I can get a tech for $20 an hour. In your region, you may have to pay $25 or $30 an hour. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to say, well, you take your cost of goods and double it and then add labor. Um, sometimes that's not going to work either. So, and when you're running after that big builder, I'm sorry, no matter what anybody says, <laughs> you're not going to get it. Yeah. Okay. Somebody's going to figure out how to get that big builder better than you are. National accounts and in, in from our manufacturers are 
by far going after these builders. And if they can't get them, you're not going to get them. Right. The small one-two builder, boy, aren't they ones? To, aren't they fun ones to deal with because they don't want to pay you within 30 days, <laughs> right. 90 days, 120 days, and then they still want the lowest thing that you can possibly put out there. Right. I wish I could give you my suggestion as to how we would go ahead and um, make your your company profitable. But I do think it boils down to that individual that's going to have to establish what his cost of goods are and establish how much it costs to put that truck on the street and how much it costs to, to put that man in that truck to get it there. Yeah. Now, we do something a little bit different probably than a lot of other companies um, since we are a big AMR dealer. Uh, we do 17 Lowe's stores. We do not work for Lowe's. We install for AMR, who right. cuts us to check to put them in. These, this is product that our guys are familiar with and are capable of uh, dealing with every single day, but we cover probably a hundred mile, hundred square mile wow. radius around our shop. Um, I don't have the population. I don't have the rooftops that you do here in Atlanta. Um, you know, our population in the Dayton area is probably right at about a million people. Uh, I can't tell you how many garage door companies, nor do I care about how many garage door companies we have in our region. I don't care about the other guy. Yeah. I just care about my phone ringing and, and taking care of my customers. Good for you. So There seems to be some obsession with people about competition, yeah. and it's like almost unhealthy. It is. Like don't be possessed about the other guy just yeah. care about your business and and do the best that you can for the people that are calling you yeah and don't worry about seeing that other truck going down the road with four doors on top of it he gave them away chances <laughs> are he gave them away and really? you know we we have our our manufacturers out there that that put really lightweight doors available and things of that nature and they sell them for ridiculous prices and I just, for the life of me, um, I can't fight with that volume. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. I'll, I would rather work for Joe Q Public, who's going to pay me at the end of the job, than fight the, the new construction market. So I talk about IDEA mm -hmm. and IDA. I think I would like to make a, I don't know if anybody from IDA is actually listening, but if we can shoot this out to them, I would love to make a suggestion Sure. And I guarantee you that a lot of people, once they know that I'm on this podcast, will listen. Good. We can boost our, our listeners. Yes. So IDEA, I think we spend a lot of time focusing our attention on uh, installing doors and uh, fire doors and all that stuff. I think it would be really good for us to have um, classes on how to run a business because I think majority of the people who own a garage door business were a tech or an installer previously. Correct. And they don't have the business um, savviness and not to say they can't learn it, but they're going to take a lot of bumps and bruises along the way and potentially not make it because they're not educated. And when you have a lot like a influx of people starting businesses because they're really good installers or technicians, it hurts the whole industry as a whole because what ends up happening is you have people who are cutting prices to win deals, not trying to learn how to be a better salesperson. And you have companies who cut prices because their, uh, their uh, money's low 
and you know they got to put food on the table for that week, right? So they go out and just give everything away to drive revenue. Um, it, they're like, I would love to see classes on managing money and how to calculate margin. I bet you ninety percent of garage door dealers don't even know how to figure out margin on on door sales, cost of goods, and everything else. Yeah, you know, even you said it yourself recently. Um, I'm saying Aaron and you're sitting okay. I get them both. Yeah, Brian. You call me whatever you want. <laughs> well, you're sitting there with an Aaron shirt yeah, on, yeah. so I'm, I'm wanting to say Aaron. Um, you said it yourself, Ryan, that um, when it came time to join IDA that, hey, we had this three-year rule in place. And we sat in a, a director's meeting. Stupid, by the way. Yeah, well, we sat in a director's say. meeting last year, and um, you know, it was brought up that, yes, this, this really – must, might not be the best idea that we've ever had, that maybe we ought to start taking people in sooner. Now, we all know that we have the subscribing member. but we So let's could, talk yeah. real quick while we're on this topic. Mm-hmm. Just hit real quick. You don't have to go into a lot of detail. How many different membership types are there? Like five. Okay, what are they? And subscribing member, subscribing technician, uh, regular member, uh uh, industry rep, and I think there's one more, but I'm not thinking it's about like a it manufacturer, right, now. right? Manufacturer, but th- that was industry rep or okay. in- industry people. But anyways, th- there's four or five different ones, and we're trying to streamline that down to um, uh, allow people instead of having the three year wait window in there that they can go ahead and join out the uh, out of the chute. As soon as they go into business, as long as you can provide me with uh, insurance and business license uh, proof that we will go through our vetting process to see if you would be a good fit for IDA. The reason why is we feel that we can help these smaller companies, these startup companies out the chute Absolutely. and not turn them into a bad bob. Now, so, there was a little scuttlebutt on Facebook about Oh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt on this. But... I mean, like he, he you're going to piss people off one way or the other. Now I was frustrated because I couldn't join until I was three years old. Right. But the flip side of that, I think I see where some of these guys are coming from, where they're talking about, well, uh, how do you know they're good dealers when, you know, they're six months old? You know, Correct. how do you know their intentions? Aren't? So you guys have to do a really good vetting process, I assume. We're doing the vetting process. We're, we're putting in a couple different steps as to um, how we're going to let them in and before you didn't have to provide a proof of insurance, before you didn't have to provide a, a uh, business license. Yes, we were asked for a number, but nobody checked it out. You know, we're going to start checking all this stuff out. We're also going to do a social media search and things, things of that nature, see what people are saying along those lines. But along that same area and during the same discussion, we are also improving the ways that we can discipline the bad bobs and get them out or expel them or put them on a suspension or something of that nature. So we are improving everything. It doesn't happen overnight. I, I When I came uh, into IDA, I'm used to driving a speedboat. I'm used to, to, to managing my company. Yeah. And if I want to go right, I go right. And if I want to go left, I go left. But being on the board of directors of the International Door Dealers Association is like driving a barge. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, turn the wheel. We got to start. We got to start turning the wheel right now. Yeah. To achieve our objective a year from now. And that's and, any any association where you have a board. I mean, not everybody's. Yeah, all these people are employed. You have a lot you of different earlier. I mean, you're probably the the only one who's technically not in day to day operations. 
Probably. People? Probably. And, you know, so anyways, we are trying to streamline these things and come up with new titles to them that a person can understand initially by reading it. Hey, I want to be a technician member. Okay. A technician member is not going to have voting rights. It's a lower cost membership, but they have no voting rights and they basically ha- get nothing but the magazine. Now, don't get me wrong here. There are plans to improve that technician level membership to possibly chat groups and things of this nature, uh, their own monthly publication, uh, electronic publication, but it all is going to depend on those individuals to join in that category coming together with the help of IDA and making these things happen. Okay, we don't have all the answers. IDA does not have all the answers. We need our membership to help us with these answers. But we did listen to the people that said, hey, we want a technician membership. We did listen to the people that said, hey, I want a three-year, I would like this to happen sooner than three years. I remember 25, 27 years ago when I had to wait till I got to my three-year point before I could uh, apply to become a member of DOTA. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. What's DOTA stand for? The Door and Operator Dealers Association. That was before IDA. Okay. Okay. I was I was thrilled when Dan Apple picked up my um, picked up the phone and called me. I was thrilled to death to hear from him, and um, you know, to this day, I remember that phone call that Dan Apple uh, turned around and and called me. So. The the DOTA turned into IDA. IDA today is um, trying to expand its footprint. I think with the help of social media, we have uh, started educating people more and more. But we also, we cannot do it with such a a small membership. And people say, wow, you know, you guys got over 2,000 people. I understand that. But do you realize that there's probably... 19,000 door dealers out there across the United States. You think there's that many? There are 19,000 door dealers is our estimation across the United States. Majority of those have to be one or two people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of chuck in the trucks and there's no doubt about that. But there are some darn good people out there doing darn good work that are part of this association that could give back and could, could help us move forward with new ideas and new direction. But they don't even know we exist and don't care that we exist. You know, there are people all day long that says, well, I haven't had IDA for the last 25 years. Why do I need them now? I'm not going to try to sit here and tell you that, hey, we need, we're going to change your life by joining IDA. I joined it 27 years ago. I pay every single year for my membership. I don't use all the benefits that come there. I'm not on I didn't join IDA for the benefits that are there, but we have the benefits there to help offset the cost. Yeah. And we just need more and more people to understand that it's not a click. It's not a good old boy network. Come see us now. Here's one more thing. Remember that when you join IDA, we give you a free pass to Expo. So you, you know when you come to Expo, you're going to spend $300 to a, attend our classes and um, our show floor. But if you join IDA for $300, guess what? I'm giving you that pass for free. So come on. It's a first, your first time dealer. 
I want you to come to Expo. I want you to see the value in what we do. Right. We do need to put on more business classes. We will get with IDEA to, to address that. IDEA. IDEA to address <laughs> that and um, make sure that that happens. And, you know, but once again, we have to have those people that are willing to give those business classes and not charge us. We can't, we can't pay $5,000 for somebody to come in and give us a business I'll class. I'll negotiate. Okay. Well, I'm we trying can... to bring my team out there. <laughs> Let's work something out. And once again, we're looking for that sponsor. Yeah, there you go. To bring the podcast, Tor- <laughs> Torsion Talk Podcast Look at you to a little radio voice. Salt Lake City, Utah. I need to start a radio station. All right. I, so when we, um, we're talking about IDEA, IDA, what are some of the benefits to joining? You hit on it that there are benefits. What are some of the benefits? Some of the, okay. Our benefits are ever changing because we identified recently that some of our benefits were, were not working for our um, membership. Mm-hmm. The membership services committee has met and is establishing new benefits, residual benefits that are out there. We all know that we have a credit card pro- uh, credit card processor. Eli is awesome. If you've used him, great. Yeah, I you, used him. You, you may th- think that he's the greatest thing in the world, and some people have used him and then dropped him. And that's fine, but at least you gave it a shot. Yeah. We try to um, provide a awesome product at a reasonable price. Can you find somebody that's probably cheaper than him? Sure. If you want to work forever and and look for that individual, go for it. But if you want a fair and honest uh, processor, Eli's the guy to go to. We have IDA insurance. Okay. Is our insurance carrier the best in the world? You know, I, I did not switch to IDA assurance because he did not come in with a good number for us. But I, at least I gave him a chance yeah. to see if he was would be able to um, come across and give us a good number. Not every product that we put on the street is for everybody. Right. And he couldn't be. There's no way. Exactly. And then we also, at each year, you get a coupon book. We go to our uh, different manufacturers and ask them to uh, provide us coupons for our membership to entice them to, to use their, their, their product. Okay, uh, it could be 5% off Service Spring order, it could be 10% off an ATEC order, something of that nature. So we appreciate what our suppliers provide us as far as that coupon book. If you use the coupon book in itself, um, chances are you're gonna save your cost of membership right then and there. But um, we do need the people to help us be a better association, and we do need the outspoken people, such as myself, to, to drive this and, and get our membership up and to enjoy uh, the fruits of the recommendations and the suggestions that people bring to us. What do you get out of this? Well, you know that I was a firefighter for 25 years, mm-hmm. okay, and I was a Marine for seven years. So I've always worked and helped others. I can't tell you how many lives I've saved over the years and things of that nature. Well, my saving lives day is over over with. Yeah. All I can do is mentor people. And if I can mentor uh, a young person, if I can um, make your association or your, your uh, organization uh, better, it, it's self-worth. It's, it's just feeling good on, unto myself. Uh, I still have people that call me from my fire day saying, Chief, you were the best thing that ever happened to me. You made me open my eyes and and look at the fire service a lot different. And I really do appreciate what you did. And that's very, very gratifying. I don't need 
financial rewards or anything else like that. Um, I just appreciate being able to help mentor people. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I see that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious, you know, I think you enjoy what you're doing and you're very passionate about it. And you know, there's, there's always, you can do better and, you know, I'd love to do better. I would love to see this association, uh, meaning IDA just grow. I'd like to see my business grow too, but I don't think people from this podcast are going to grow my business. Maybe your feedback will grow my business and help me be a better person and make my company a better place. But, um, you know, the podcast in itself is one that I want more for the association to grow and, and become more recognizable and more information and, uh, you know, just become a better place so that when I walk out in three years, uh, that I can say, Hey, I helped get this started. I helped do this. Yeah. And I think that what's really cool when I'm on some of these groups and somebody has a question, it doesn't take very long either. Somebody will tag you or you'll just jump right in and answer questions. And the convenience of being able to go to one of these groups and ask a question and get an answer from somebody on the IDA board, I think is extremely valuable. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, there's a group, uh, you guys could start your own group, but then you'd just be competing with some of these others. And, you know, you don't really need to do that. We have a um, IDEA group. Are you familiar with that? Um, yes. And I'm an accredited IDEA uh, are you, member. You're in there. I think I might be in there, yeah, but I, um, uh, I try to answer anything, yeah. any, anything that I have the knowledge and know-how for, if I can give you a suggestion or help you in any way possible, I will do that. And I've given out my cell phone number more times than not that uh, people can call me and I will be more than happy to um, help you out any way I can. And uh, I don't care if you're the dealer right down the street from me. You know, we, we are a brotherhood and, you know, I had a gentleman that was doing a garage door in my backyard and uh, he was out of Cincinnati and he had a um, bottom rubber problem. Uh, The distributor gave him all intermediate sections. So he had no bottom rubber. You know, he came up for me. I gave him the bottom rubber and the retainer and everything else to put, put on there. You know, I could have charged him. I could have done a lot of things, but he was stuck. Yeah. Okay. I would rather help you out someday. I'm going to need your help. Yeah. That's the way it should be. It should be. I mean, I'm friends with most of my competition in the area. The ones that I believe are genuine, like honest, good work. Right. Like I've either reached out to them, especially if I'm in a competitive situation and I'm talking to a customer and they're praising this guy and I hear it multiple times. I reach out to them. Yeah. Like I've had lunch with these guys. Like we hang out, we talk on the phone sometimes depending on who they are. But I mean, I don't, I don't see any problem. Like we make each other better, right? We talk about things and, and, and explain certain things to each other. And, and they've taught me stuff and I've taught them stuff in some scenarios. And I I don't, I don't understand why there's gotta be like, I think maybe it's just the testosterone. It is. It is. I mean, you know, the bottom line lies is I can't get every job. And if I can help you through your job that you're, you're doing right now, then, you know, it, it, the world's a better place. Let's, let's just leave it at that. But, um, I can't tell you that I'm in phone chatty conversation with all 
the local dealers. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. I do know prior to 2008 that I had seven or eight tailgaters buying from me at my shop and they'd come in and then they asked me for help and would I carry them until after they got paid on the job. And then, and we were always there to help them. And, uh, you know, we don't have that many today. Everybody else can just go straight to the DC and buy the product and, and there's no repercussions or anything else like that. But, you know, especially at expos and stuff, I see the other companies from my area there and I'll talk to them. I, I represent them. I'm, I'm their, their region director. I, I have no ill feelings to any of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's just an awesome industry. We ha- we play with a different deck of cards sometimes, I think, because yeah. of uh, the jokers that yeah. we have, you know, in, in the industry. But, you know, all in all, we're all there trying to just put food on our tables for our family and do an honest stage job. And there's the industry as a whole is evolving pretty quickly, in my opinion. I think social media is social increasing media, that something else. I mean, I'm seeing guys install garage doors, all different types of ways. And I love it. Like, you know, being able to expand your mindset when, when I learned about Kyle Hart and I bring this up probably every episode, cause I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fascinated by the way he looked at doors. Yeah. Not, not so much how he installed them. Like, he can look at an opening and and see the challenge and immediately come up with two or three different options that maybe I would have never thought of. Correct. And um, he's more of an engineer mindset. So I flew out there to spend some time with him just to learn because I was like, I need to get that mindset downloaded so that when I look at a door, I'm looking at it like an engineer, not a door guy. Now, here's and, here's the funny thing, okay? Yeah. We idolize Kyle, okay, because of not only the way he looks at doors and the way that he does things. Mm-hmm. My partner's similar to Kyle uh, as far as being able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Okay. The thing, the, the fun part about Kyle is he has a way or a knack of teaching somebody how to do that. Oh, no. Okay. It's My crazy. partner has no way. He, he does not have that knack. He knows it. And as long as he knows it, he will continue to know it. But yeah. Kyle has a way of sharing that, which is awesome. Look at Kyle's doormasters, Google reviews. And I'll say this on this podcast because it's only door people there. Yeah, Kyle's Google reviews are not as five-star ratings and they don't care the reason why is because they do the best job that they can do every single time and you're going to get that pissed off customer yeah and they're not going to give you the five-star review and they're going to give you something less than that right and we all got to have that mindset that we're all not perfect that we are going to make a mistake someplace down the road or we're not going to make that customer happy even though we try and we bend over backwards and hey i'm the most knowledgeable guy in the door industry just ask anybody and, you know, somebody's still going to get irked at him. Yeah. So, you know, we appreciate all that we have. And Kyle would not be Kyle if it wasn't for Colleen. No doubt. Okay. 100%. <laughs> Colleen. Yeah, he is, gets way more credit than he should. Yeah. She's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. Colleen, Colleen He's by the far. brain, but she's the master behind the brain. She keeps him in order, <laughs> you know. And one day we need to start a petition. We need Kyle back in the USA. Yes, we do. We need to call Trump. Yeah. He's Make told, it happen. He's told me that uh, I need to shut up on that, but 
Nah, come on, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to totally lose thought it was a prank. Yeah. When I, I did got too. the text message. I, I was like, dude, you're lying. I'm not going to believe you. I did I'm too. not. I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. I'm going to see you. I'll see you in a couple hours. Yeah, right. Exactly. Talk to you later. And Kyle, Colleen came and told me, and I said, you're kidding me. She said, no, I wish I was. I left him. <laughs> she yeah. said, he was having trouble getting out of the country, and I just left him. Yeah. And I give two thumbs up to Colleen. Yay. I'm I, mean, glad I was riding with Kyle for a full week. Yep. I was blown away by how many people call him both locally and internationally. Yep. Uh, and he takes the asking, calls. And he takes the freaking call. Yep. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? I'm like, you should start a consulting service. <laughs> like, just have like a 1-800 number and people can call it. And, you know, you're like, all right, how long do you think this is going to take? 30 minutes? All right. It's going to cost you you know, yeah. this much and I'll walk you through any problem you got. Like master tech support, right? Yes. I mean, he literally could charge for what he's doing, but he just does it because he loves to help people. Very similar to you. Yep. I mean, he's so good at what he does. I think he's probably bored half the time. <laughs> and I think that's why he takes the call. Yep. You know, I just think his brain just likes to be challenged. But now he's going to have a tough time after this podcast getting his head in the overhead door because it's going to be so big. That's right. You know, I pump him up all the time. Oh, he's, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Good guy. So we've talked about the expo. We've talked about IDA membership. How much is IDA membership? I think it's 325. Okay. So 300 okay. something. And a technician level that we hope to have through, by the way, th this review that uh, the Mark McMahon has posted on and everything else is going to go to a vote. And then we have to do a bylaws change in March, but we're trying to get the initial vote through so that we can make this part of our membership January 1st. So that if there is a technician, instead of being a subscribing member, they can be a technician member and it's $100 and then uh, full membership. Now, the technician level membership is meant for one uh, where this is coming from is there are some companies out there that their technicians do not want. I'm sorry. The company is not an IDA member, but the technicians want to be part of IDA okay. and they understand the value in it and appreciate the value in it. So because of that, we have opened up the technician level and it's only $100. Like I said, you don't have voting rights or anything else like that. Um, but full-blown membership that we want for that person that has a tr truck on the street that is running a full-blown business we would prefer them to be a full member, a voting member, and that's three twenty-five a year. Okay. And there is a fifty-dollar registration fee that you can talk to your regional director to see what he could do about that fifty-dollar fee. But the main thing is, is that um, you guys do any promotions or anything during IDA? Right now, we, we are doing one. Um, once again, it's part of the exec call tomorrow. That it's uh, fifteen for twelve. So meaning you can join the last three months of this year. To get all of next year as well, okay, and that's not decided on. It, that's just something happen. you guys are going to keep. It's going to okay. happen. It's right. going to happen. And uh, and then you also mentioned earlier that if you do become an IDA member, you get one free pass to the IDA Expo. IDA Expo. Now, let's say you're an East Coast uh, company and you have no desire to go to Salt Lake City. Just let us know after Salt Lake City's over. Hey, I didn't go. Can I renew this for New Orleans? And we'll make it happen for you. Yeah. We don't expect everybody in the East Coast to run to, New to Salt Lake. On the East Coast. Well, it's closer to the East Coast than um, close to Utah. Than Utah. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, we do try to do the East Coast West Coast thing. We try not to stick. No, uh, I'm just messing with you. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. We are doing Vegas in 2022, April 2022. So you can what mark the calendar you for that. As far as 
doing Vegas? Sending a bunch of door guys to Vegas. Well, they're what not positive could come out of that. They're not going to have to go to the Rio and take a bus to the convention center. So, you know, we are in a, I don't like the Rio. I don't like the going from the, in a bus from the Rio to the convention center. You know, we yeah. do have, um, our facility will house the expo within the hotel itself. And, um, uh, the contract is not signed yet, so I don't want to leave too much out, but we will be in Vegas in 2022, April, 2022. All right. So we got Utah, then we got new Orleans and we're talking about Vegas door guys in Vegas. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, and then what are you thinking for 2023 on the East coast? Probably we will probably try Nashville. That'd we be a good spot. Will, we will probably try Nashville. Nashville's having a uh, is filling up quick. It always fills up quick, and um, a lot of times you can't get into Nashville. We tried to do Nashville instead of New Orleans, and uh, Nashville couldn't accommodate us. So we will try Nashville first, and um, you know we'll look for defaults after that. Now, one other thing. Um, Atlanta's not bad. Atlanta was a great city. We had a great... The only thing that Atlanta didn't do for us was it didn't do the draw. We Our numbers were down uh, in Atlanta. And that does happen on an East Coast show that our numbers will be down. Really? Yes. It's not uncommon. Uh, I think if people would have realized before Atlanta how Atlanta played out, they wish they, they attended because yeah. we had a fantastic show. And you guys got to get with me, man. I can help you market this stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll see if we can't turn you into our marketing I mean, company, right? I'll do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We got to get more exposure. We do. We do. And I've got a little Facebook ad uh, ad set up right now yeah. where I'm targeting um, guys from our marketing company and the podcast. So the category is, I think, uh, 35 to 55. They like garage doors and beer. <laughs> and I'm killing it. I'm killing it. I'm getting like, I'm getting leads from a marketing company and people listening to the podcast. Is that right? It's working great. Well, you know, guys over 55 like beer too. Yeah. Yeah. I do need to probably <laughs> expand it up a little bit. But, yeah. There's, um, there's some of us old timers. That's right. You're right. I want to make that change today. So anyway, we got you a t-shirt. It was nice. You to got meet your me a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, my wife's with me. She's sitting out in a hot truck right now. No, yeah. I'm, I'm sure she's probably sitting in your, your waiting room waiting on us. Um, I don't know. I hope we hit all the, the topics that we, we wanted to hit today. I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed listening to this. I'll tell you what, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, uh, talking more with you, helping anybody else that I can. You can PM me on Facebook. Sometimes if you're not my friend and you send me a PM, you will it, see it. it. I don't see it originally or initially, and it may take me oh, sometimes even up to a day to find that thing. And, uh, but as soon as I find it, I will respond back to you. Um, I, uh, my, my Facebook page is James McGrath, even though I go by Jim all the time, but, uh, feel free to hit me up at all. And, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Ryan, you've done a spectacular job, uh, putting this podcast together. Thank uh, you. you've got a great operation here. I really, really, uh, pull, pull, uh, positive vibes off of you and everything that you're trying to do, uh, not only for yourself and your own company, but for this industry. And, uh, uh, you know, we can get you on the board. We can try to get you to yeah. run for election. Oh, you know yeah. what? What? Did you know about that? What? No. No, I don't. I'm not really interested in running for the board. But no. um, I actually was talking to you guys about starting an affiliate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then somebody else picked it up. Well, I, 
I, I don't know if somebody else picked it up or not, but I, I genuinely started looking at the application and thinking, what am I doing? Like, I can't save the world, right? Right. Like, I really genuinely want to do it, but I just don't have the time. Between this podcast, the marketing company, and the garage door company, I'm running three, um, and I've got another company that you bumped into here. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I technically have three, biz- three to four businesses, and I, I just, in order to do it right, I would want to make sure that I have the time and effort to put into it. And I just don't have that right now. Did you have time to talk to Randy Schmidt or not? I think I reached out to him, left him a message. I don't know if he's called me back or not. Okay. But it's, I'm hoping there seems to be another guy on Facebook who just posted about it. Right. I think I'd rather play more of a support role. Right. Than like the lead. And that's what you find out on all the affiliates is that you have a lot of people that want to participate in an affiliate but it's hard to come up with leadership. Yeah. And I'm sorry, leadership in this industry requires a commitment. People that think that they're coming on to the IDA board just to go to neat locations and let somebody else pick up the dime, is you're totally wrong. Uh, the commitment that the directors do on their own time and volunteer is by far a serious commitment. And yes, um, IDA will pay for me to go to Salt Lake City. They've paid for me to go to Salt Lake City uh, to scope out the venues and things of this nature. But the time that I have committed to this association is far more than I ever thought I was ever going to give. And I don't want to scare anybody away. But if you are a very busy door dealer, support us by being a member but don't get yourself shocked by saying, hey, yeah, I'll put in for a board of director. Wait until you get uh, to a more established position where you're capable of walking away from your business for a week and help everybody else during that week yeah. while um, you're away and helping the whole industry. Yeah, I want to be part. I just don't want to be the head guy Yeah. unless I can just become like a master delegator. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it's needed in the Southeast. Yep. I think it'll pull us together and it will also give IDA a lot more exposure. I think, because right now I just don't see it in the Southeast very much. We had a gentleman the other day that was in Cleveland that said he didn't, he didn't know the worth of IDA, but in Ohio, IDA is known, well-known statewide. And, uh, you know, he's done an awesome job. He's been a nose to the grindstone type of individual that's worked hard. He didn't need to be part of an association and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate it, Ryan. Tell your wife for, thank you for being so patient. Yep. And, uh, I want to give a shout out to Adrian real quick. Best sound man in the business. Adrian. man. I'm telling you. So I get a lot of props because I'm the guy on the microphone, Yep. but it's not just me. So Hannah, who couldn't make it today because she's got school and Adrian, um, Adrian does a phenomenal job of getting us set up and you have an awesome face for radio. Ah, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. I don't know if that was a compliment or a cut down. Either way, I'll take it. It doesn't matter. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. And we will, uh, we'll see you guys soon. And, uh, if you guys haven't already, you guys haven't opened up expo, uh, registration yet. Have you? It's coming real, real soon. It's coming. Please, please come see us in expo. We'll probably be launching this next week, getting it online. Uh, so, uh, what we'll do is we'll have this, uh, I think next Thursday we'll be releasing this episode. So real soon you guys will be able to register for the, um, 
Expo, and then I also know they uh, do hotel accommodations. If you're if you sign up soon enough, you can get a discount on hotel, which is a pretty good deal. I know last year a lot of people got Airbnb, but people were complaining about having to drive to the uh, the expo. Take all those things into consideration when you're looking. Thank you guys for listening, and if you uh, have any questions, shoot them to us. We had one person that followed the instructions, and we're going to be mailing out a paperback book of Tommy Mello's uh, latest book that he authored called um, Home Service Millionaire. So thank you for that. And uh, if you guys need anything, have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'm Hannah with Such and Such Media. Our team specializes in garage door marketing. So make sure to visit us at garagedoormarketing.co.